welcome. This is Melanie Hamilton Bassich, Chief Editor of Rehab Management. For today's podcast episode, I'm joined by Dr. John D. Ryder, an Editorial Advisory Board member and frequent contributor to Rehab Management. He's an Assistant Professor at Turo University, Nevada in the School of Occupational Therapy and also works as a community-based occupational therapist for Good Life Therapy in Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll be talking today about home modification assessments and recommendations, including tips for how occupational therapists can approach this process, what important aspects to focus on, and how to get clients on board with your recommendations. Thank you for being here today, Johnny. Thank you for inviting me. This is actually my first podcast, and I'm very excited to be here. That's great. To start off, what exactly are home modification assessments, and why are they so important? Why are they needed? Who does them? Who benefits from them? And so home modification assessments are simply in-home evaluations designed to identify barriers or concerns in the home and then make recommendations to kind of alleviate those barriers to safety and independence based on the specific needs of the client, the family or those that live with them, their diagnosis or their prognosis. For example, knowing someone has a progressive disorder the clinician may consider modifications that will benefit the client as their disease progresses. So the ultimate goal of these assessments is really to create an environment that is safe and it allows the individual to do what they want to, what they need to in the home and be as independent as possible. When we're talking about older adults, we often use this term aging in place. And so home modifications can support adults and older adults to kind of age in place or remain in their home longer or as long as possible. But I think that it's really important to also mention that home modifications can benefit clients of any age, um, clients with any health condition, such as a sensory or a movement impairment, maybe a cognitive, cognitive disorder, because home modifications can support safe and independent engagement and meaningful activities in the home for anyone. And so besides older adults, which we kind of go straight to when we think of home modifications, I've done a lot of home modification assessments for children after traumatic brain injuries, after spinal cord injuries, and even those with progressive diseases. As we think about kind of the benefits of home modification assessments, like you asked, I think um, I'd like to mention the importance first of an individualized home assessment. Anyone can kind of go online and and find um, multiple generic home safety checklists with a, a quick Google search. And these are helpful and don't get me wrong, but they don't really consider client factors. They don't consider the perspective of the individual that you're doing the assessment for. They don't consider what's most important to them. They don't consider the abilities or even the limitations of that individual. So an individualized home safety assessment from a trained professional, such as an occupational therapist, provides that comprehensive assessment. It considers factors unique to the client. And research has shown that home modifications are effective at more than just increasing safety um, or just in reducing fall risk. Research has found that that home modifications can increase function for individuals with a lot of different conditions. And interestingly, they can reduce demands on caregivers. So with that knowledge, home modification assessments should really be performed whenever there's a safety concern, whenever there might be difficulties performing daily activities, or even when caregivers are providing significant assistance. And while many healthcare clinicians and rehab professionals can provide these recommendations to increase safety in the home, 
Occupational therapists receive specific training on home modification assessments and making these recommendations in their schooling. In fact, data suggests that home modifications are most effective when delivered by occupational therapists compared to other professions. And I believe this is because occupational therapists receive that advanced training in this specific area of practice, and they're skilled at recognizing how the environment affects the ability to perform desired activities, which we often call occupations. So occupational therapists really dig deep into what we call performance patterns. So these might be daily routines or habits. And in the context of home modifications, we look at you know, what routines or, or what habits that someone does every day require reinforcement from the environment. How does the environment impact for good or for bad some of those routines or habits? We don't just look at the home environment and identify barriers to performance. We also look at performance skills. So these would be things like balance, coordination, endurance, safety awareness, strength, attention, problem solving, vision, communication, and we could kind of go on and on, but a lot of different functions that um, that the individual has to utilize throughout the day. And we want to see them performing those tasks in their home environment, right? And that gives us this comprehensive and holistic understanding of how their the individual functions in their home, what modifications can be made to maximize their ability to continue functioning, to continue participating in those meaningful activities. I do want to mention, though, that in most cases, there are multiple client concerns. It's not just home modifications. And so that interdisciplinary or interprofessional collaboration still offers that highest level of care and should be provided when possible. So there's a lot involved in home modification assessment and recommendations, and it seems like it could be difficult to know where to start. Do you have tips for how to approach this in a way that's more manageable and maybe not as overwhelming? Absolutely. And, and yes, you're, you're correct. There's a lot involved and it definitely can feel overwhelming even when you have had some training. Um, and I think it's more overwhelming when you don't have a guide to start with. And so my first recommendation would be to use a standardized home assessment tool. And you can use this really as a guide that can kind of help break the home modification evaluation down into more of a, a manageable assessment, if, if that makes sense. Um, there are a lot of standardized assessments out there and each has its own pros and own cons, depending on where you're working, your clients, the population, and kind of the purpose of this home modification assessment. And so this probably isn't the time to go into each assessment, but we can talk about some of the things to consider when you're choosing a standardized assessment. Some of these assessments are specific to older adults, okay? So that, that might help you decide that that's primarily your, primarily your population, so you might use one of those. Some are specific to diagnoses like dementia or cognitive impairment. Other assessments are more general, so they cover all ages, all conditions. We also see some variety in the length or the depth of the assessment as well. So some might be a simple checklist. Others are organized by areas of the home, or specific functions performed in the home. Some are very detailed. They can get quite lengthy. They can even include pictures of the environment that you circle or kind of make note on. With the amount of standardized assessments available, I'd really encourage clinicians to consider their clientele, right? What are they looking for when choosing an assessment? Um, who are they working with? Where are they living? And what is the purpose of this assessment? 
to be honest, um, even some of these really good assessments, I'll still add on a few of my own things that this assessment doesn't cover or based on my own experience. And that's okay, because what I'm suggesting is we use those standardized assessments as a guide, as a starting point. Some of the more popular ones that actually have been studied and, and validated are the housing enabler um, assessment, the Westmead home safety assessment, the in-home occupational performance evaluation. There's a home environmental assessment protocol, a Cougar home safety assessment, the safety assessment of function and the environment for rehabilitation. And I just mentioned those in case you want to look them up on your own. Um, these are kind of more of the rehabilitation or therapy developed assessments, but you can also find federal and state agencies that have created um, more basic checklists and often offer those for free. One other thing that I think is, is, is worth mentioning is, is once that home modification or safety assessment is done, and, and maybe that's the overwhelming part, but maybe the difficult part for a clinician is also, well, how do I provide these recommendations for home modifications to my client? And that can also sometimes feel like a big task, especially if there's a lot of recommendations. So I found it very beneficial to kind of group these recommendations into just four categories. I think it's beneficial for the clinician, but also for the client. And so these are additive, subtractive, transformative, and behavioral modifications. And I'll, I'll briefly describe those. The additive modifications are things like major or minor additions, additive, right, to the home. So installing grab bars, installing some motion sensory lights, or maybe some non-skid mats. If we look at the other end of the spectrum, a subtractive modification would simply be the removal of an item or a hazard. Right, so removing a tripping hazard like a loose throw rug. Both of these recommendations aim to improve safety and access to the environment. If we look at a transformative modification, this is like a significant restructuring of the existing home. And we might need to do this to better facilitate the use of some environmental features. So you might think of things like installing a stair lift, right? A motorized stair lift, or it could be as simple, it doesn't cost money, but it's still restructuring rearranging very large furniture in the home to kind of clear up pathways. Um, it could be on the simpler side too, installing automatic door openers or closers, permanent ramps, or you know, remodeling an entire bathtub to be a roll-in shower for someone that uses a wheelchair or, or needs to roll into that shower. And lastly, one that I, I think is, is not unique, but people don't always consider is the behavioral modifications. We tend to go straight to, it has to be a piece of equipment um, but sometimes that doesn't always work. And so a behavioral modification is maybe an adapted or a compensatory technique. So it could be avoiding or adopting specific behaviors to improve safety in the home. So clinicians may teach a method to get in and out of a high risk place. So how to get in and out of that tub shower combo because they can't get it remodeled. It could also be something that I run into a lot with two story homes where someone is not safe going up and down the stairs, um, but uh, they don't have the funds or they're not able to make that transformative modification of installing a stair lift. So they have a room on the main floor that could be modified to serve as a, a primary bedroom. And then they're only going up and down the stairs for certain things, but not on a, a daily basis. So therapists can kind of take these categories to one, it could be used to kind of um, set up their evaluation or their assessment, but I find it very beneficial to 
categorize the recommendations in, in this way, and then discuss kind of the cost benefit analysis with clients. So I'll give you a, a quick example, you know, subtractive modifications like removing a, a, a throw rug that, you know, is, is kind of a tripping hazard that can be really easy. It's cost effective, right? There's no cost and it can really decrease fall risk. This change may seem very small to the therapist recommending it. However, it could be monumental for the client if that rug has sentimental value. And so we might also need to consider if we remove that, how can we still incorporate that in the home? How can we maintain that value? Could we hang it on the wall so everyone can see it? You know, there's different things to consider there. On the other hand though, maybe a transformative modification. So widening a doorway to improve accessibility for someone who now uses a wheelchair, that could potentially be quite costly. It could require the services of a general contractor. Okay, so these are things that we have to consider. But these categories make it a little bit easier to kind of group the recommendations, to discuss them with the client, to consider costs, to consider the benefit. And I know if, if listeners are kind of interested in learning more about these categories, there is an article in Rehab Management, um, the end of 2020, that, that talks about these home modifications, how to group these um, specifically for fall prevention. Maybe that's a great way of looking at it. Are there other areas that maybe are often overlooked during this process that therapists should be aware of, especially any that could pose significant safety hazards? Yes, thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, even though these standardized assessments are, are great, they still do commonly overlook some areas specifically outside of the home. And that's kind of the outdoors is the first one that I'll bring up. This can be a significant safety hazard. Um, especially in some areas of the country. Now, I, I live in Southern Nevada, so icy walkways are not really a concern for me or my clients, but that's a huge concern for much of the country and something that changes throughout the year. So it is very important for therapists to consider things such as access outside of the home. So the first one I'll bring up is, is garbage cans and taking the garbage out. Does the client need to roll or carry a heavy garbage can down the driveway to the curb what is the driveway is is it a big incline are there safety concerns there right so how are they going to do that that's not something that is going to show up on every standardized assessment but could be one of the biggest safety hazards for your client if we kind of continue with what's outside think about exterior lighting around the house a lot of us go straight to interior lighting in the hallways when you get up to go to the bathroom at night or maintaining a light in the bathroom, but we forget about outside, coming home when it's dark, answering the door when it's dark, going, going outside real quick or taking a, a pet outside. So think about exterior lighting. Access to the mailbox is, is another important one. Many people want to be able to go get their mail. I actually recently had a client who had a very steep driveway. And although was safe in the home, one of his concerns was, I wanna be able to get my own mail. I don't wanna to have to ask someone to come over daily. And so we ended up making a recommendation of a railing that goes down his driveway. And that was a transformative modification. It, it did require some expense, but for the client, um, it was worth it. And he ended up installing that railing going down his driveway and was able to continue getting his mail daily. It also got him out of the house got him some fresh air and it was important to him. And I think that's the, the real value there. Um, accessing things like the garden hose comes up as well. So if you just have to do a little spot watering or you water your own garden or the flowers, 
it can often have some uneven terrain getting to the garden hose can be kind of difficult and so is there a clear path what minor modifications can we make to make sure that they can reach that hose or this the faucet or spigot um, so we have to be careful that we don't only consider the environment inside the home which i think is the tendency but that we also consider outside and around the home we really live in both areas and there are a lot of potential modifications to increase safety and participation both inside and outside another thought to consider is kind of the advances in technology it feels like every day new devices are entering the market smart home technology um, and we should be considering how the addition of some of these things might really benefit our clients and one of the most basic ones that we see all the time are doorbell cameras or you know video doorbell cameras and so in considering how this could support function how this could increase safety often clients and, and more so on the older adult side will have a fall and report that they were rushing to the doorbell or rushing to answer the phone so having that video doorbell and access on your cell phone when you're sitting in your chair or when you're in your room you can see who's at the door you can then let them know through your cell phone right hey i see you i'm coming it might take me a, a few extra minutes and then it takes away that i have to rush to the door and, and allows them to be a little bit safer as they get up and go to the door um, one other one that's big is pet care and so that's a concern for many people i have pets i love them so do so do our clients so supporting safe and independent access to getting the pet food right filling up the the food and water bowls these are things that we should also be considering and discussing with our client and seeing how they're doing that right now and lastly i think this definitely comes from the occupational therapy perspective but household management is an important occupation that sometimes gets overlooked with these home modification assessments so considering how the client accesses things like air filters for my house they're in the ceiling and i would have to get on a ladder to change those air filters the water softener putting heavy salt pe pellets or however you have to in that water softener um, accessing temperature you know the thermostat is is it an area where they can access it safely sweeping vacuuming cleaning in general um, carrying groceries in from the car do they have to go through the garage upstairs does the door stay open would an automatic door opener benefit them changing smoke detectors is another one right and then just ensuring items that they use commonly um, are easily accessible and, and sometimes you know you don't have to make huge modifications in these areas like home home management but just bringing up these concerns having a discussion with the client might be enough because it allows them to kind of develop a plan maybe they're going to use the fire department service which offers a free service to come in and change smoke detectors maybe they're going to hire someone every few months to come in and replace those air filters or maybe they're just going to have a, a friend or a family member put that salt in the water softener when they visit and they visit often enough so i would encourage therapists to at least have that conversation and help the client encourage them to to make a plan for some of those other tasks that could potentially be unsafe when every area has been assessed and the therapist has specific recommendations what involvement do you see the therapist having in getting the needed equipment into the client's home that's a great question and, and not one that i actually get very often so i appreciate that um uh, education and training are obviously always included in our interventions as therapists um, but if you actually go back to like the occupational therapy practice framework which kind of guides our profession 
you will find prep, you will find education, training, advocacy, and self-advocacy are all listed as actual skilled interventions. So we absolutely have a role and a duty to educate our clients, one, in their preferred mode of communication on the risks of their home environment and the benefits of making these modifications. But we also have a duty to collaborate and empower them to seek and obtain the resources they need to support health, well-being, and occupational participation, which in this case may be needed home modifications. So I, I fully recognize that this may look different depending on what setting therapists are working in, but I also feel very strongly that we should be making every effort within our scope of practice to support clients in obtaining the needed equipment to having it installed properly as well. I always do a follow-up visit after I've made these home modification recommendations and supported them in getting those um, because I wanna see how they're functioning in that new modified environment. I wanna make sure they're comfortable using the equipment, comfortable using the techniques that I taught them and that they're really living at the maximum level of independence and safety. Sometimes when I go back after we've made these modifications, there are additional minor home modifications needed that maybe we didn't consider or that have come up because of that kind of first round of modifications. Other times, it, clients just require a little bit of training, a little bit of, of education on the proper technique or maybe an alternative technique to perform an activity or you know something that's important to them in their new modified environment. Um, and I know this may be kind of hard for some therapists and they may be concerned about well, how do I approach this topic of, you know, they can't afford this, or I'm not a contractor, where do I find a contractor? We can provide them with those resources. And so there are a lot of wonderful programs available across the country to um, really help with that financial burden of home modifications. So I'd, I'd highly encourage therapists to become familiar with the local charities, local grants and agencies that offer home modifications, because there are a lot of them. Um, I'm in a rural area and we even have those, but in urban areas, there's even more. And I'm constantly hearing about new programs that offer financial assistance. And they, they typically even offer the professionals, the contractors to install those modifications. A lot of those grant programs require the assistance of an occupational or physical therapist, someone with some training. So you can find those and you can provide that evaluation. And then these programs support the next steps, the financial burden, helping with covering those costs, and installing those modifications. And, and those programs are available for you know, older adults, those with disabilities, young, you know, it doesn't matter. I've seen programs out there. So I would just really encourage therapists to become familiar with those, know their local resources, support and empower the clients as they um, seek access to the services and um, getting these home modifications completed. Okay, so spent some time thoughtfully assessing a client's residence, and you've come up with all these great recommendations for how they can modify their home. Do you have tips for how therapists can increase adherence? Yeah, th this is definitely another part of the process that therapists need to consider. And it, it doesn't really help anyone if we go in there and we do this, you know, thorough evaluation, we recognize all the barriers, and then we provide recommendations in a way that is not clear or convincing to the client. And what I mean by that is, it's our job to ensure that our communication is clear and effective. It's our job to explain why and how these recommendations can increase safety, 
can increase independence, can improve their quality of life. But ultimately, if we do our job right, it's still the client's choice to make the recommendations. Uh, I mean, yeah, to make those recommendations or make those modifications, but they need to be able to make an informed choice. And that's kind of where we as therapists come into play. I don't think there's just one strategy um, that can, can increase adherence for everybody, but there's a, a lot of research in this area when it comes to just healthcare recommendations in general. They tend to look at things like, you know, um, the client needs to have a realistic assessment, right? And understand their functional limitations and their risk. There needs to be clear and effective communication between the provider and the client, which I already mentioned. There's gotta be trust in that therapeutic relationship as well. Um, the client should be treated as a holistic person. That's been shown to increase adherence. Um, and that therapists should be considering beliefs, values, their attitudes, the cultural context is really big what socioeconomic supports they have, and emotional health challenges. So when it comes to home modifications specifically, because those are findings that just kind of cover all aspects of healthcare recommendations, the predictors of adherence are actually pretty similar when it comes to home modification recommendations. So for example, they found that a client that speaks the same language as their therapists, they tend to be more adherent. And this really just shows the importance of clear and effective communication in the client's preferred language. Um, clients with previous falls or, or maybe injuries um, tend to be more adherent with these home modifications as well. So this suggests the importance of just recognizing the risks and the implications of, of their current home safety concerns. Um, so if they believe that it's possible to prevent a fall or they believe it's possible to increase safety or improve function by making these modifications, adherence also increases. So we have to address the client beliefs throughout the evaluation and the intervention process, even if they've never had a fall, even if they haven't been injured, if we do our job in helping them understand the inherent risks and showing them how these can help them, we have the ability to increase that adherence. Um, sometimes we use the word buy-in. I don't know if that's always the right word, but we want them to realize that there is evidence that supports this, right? These things have helped many, many people be safe in their home, live longer in their home, do more in their home. Some of the other reasons that we see pop up in the literature that are kind of cited as non-adherence are things like um, the feasibility of making the recommendation, which, which makes sense. You know, a therapist comes in, recommends removing a hazard, but the client can't do it on their own, right? They can't move their couch. They, they can't take out this door, things like that. And so are we ensuring that our recommendations are feasible or making sure that they have the supports to do or make those recommendations? So that's one. The cost is another one, of course. So, you know, how much does this suggested modification cost and can they afford that? So if we come in and we just say you have to buy a stair lift, right? And there is no way they can afford it and they're unaware of grant programs to assist, there is a very, very poor chance that that modification is going to happen. So we need to have that discussion with the client, find out if this is something they can afford, they're interested in looking into grants, provide those resources, or look into alternative modifications. Aesthetics is one that comes up. So if a client um, doesn't like how the modification is going to look, or they have the perception that I get a lot of, oh, it's going to make me look old, or people are going to make, it's going to feel like my home is for older people. Um, I have heard that a lot. And interestingly, um, 
there's new equipment coming out um, that really kind of is more aesthetically pleasing. So most of the time though, this is resolved with a, a simple discussion and helping them understand the importance and also how we can kind of mask that, that unesthetic <laughs> appeal. But we now have, if you, if you look online with clients, you can find a grab bar that matches almost any interior design preference, which we didn't have 10, 15 years ago, but now they have them in different colors and sheens and sizes to match your, your towel holders or things like that. So, you know, we, we are seeing more options for our clients, which is nice. And then probably the last one that I actually get talked about from students and practitioners a lot is um, the homeowner not allowing a major modification. So if someone is renting an apartment um, or a condo or a home, um, they have to get permission from the landlord for certain modifications, especially transformative and additive. Okay. Um, I have found that it's always worth a professional conversation with the landlord because more times than not, they've been agreeable to it, even when the client kind of made the assumption that their landlord would never allow that. In many instances, I've assisted the clients. We've had a nice discussion with the landlord. They've been very, very receptive. A lot of it has to do with how it's approached, um, which you can imagine. It's often helpful to also frame it in a little bit of a business-like manner. So remind them that these modifications, if maybe they're additive or transformative, will make their unit more universally accessible for the tenant right now and future tenants. That can be a big selling point nowadays. And if a transformative modification may not be feasible, then we as therapists, right, should start considering, are there temporary modifications we can make? Are there behavioral or additive modifications that we can make? All right. And, and, and that comes back on us, right? We're the, we're the experts in this situation. And I think the only other barrier that I've come across um, to adherence, and it, it is in the literature as well, is kind of an inconsistent healthcare um, delivery method. And, and what really that means is clients may receive different or varied recommendations from each healthcare provider on the team or kind of across the continuum of care when they're in the hospital, when they're in rehab, when they're at home. And that can be confusing to them. They may lose a little trust in the, in the healthcare profession and or the healthcare process, and then they don't know what modifications to make. So I think one solution here is coming back to who on the interdisciplinary team is most qualified for this aspect, right? For the home modification assessment, for the recommendations, and ensuring that care is being coordinated across the interdisciplinary team. Communication is happening between professionals. And I think by doing some of these things, um, we can improve client understanding, we can improve implementation of these recommendations, and of course, carryover and utilization of these home modifications. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Johnny, for sharing your expertise and insights with us. And thank you to our listeners. Be on the lookout for more podcasts from Rehab Management, Physical Therapy, Pro therapy Products, and the rest of the MedCore Podcast Network. For more great content from Rehab Management, including articles written by John D. Ryder, visit us online at rehabpub.com. And while you're there, subscribe to the publication and to our newsletters.